0: and Welcome to episode 5 of Raking Coals, a ministry podcast focused on talking about various different ministries going on within the local church in order to be able to bring our communities together and unify Jesus' universal church. With me, as always, is one of your hosts, Josh Fousey.
1: How is everybody doing?
0: And I am Cody Haggard, and today on Raking Coals, we are going to be talking about our favorite ministry memories but before we do that i'm just gonna ask josh how's your week been
1: it's been crazy it's been very crazy but mostly in a good way so that's good
0: hey good way crazy is not a bad thing my week has been pretty nice this is my last week of time without having to worry about seminary classes so next week guys if the podcast takes a sudden dip in quality, let me know. It could be due to the fact that my brain is taking up more time doing other things. But we're going to try and keep this podcast going strong and keep the quality as high as we possibly can. So without any further ado, we are going to jump into sharing some of our favorite ministry memories. And these can be things Josh and I have actually not talked prior about what we're going to talk about. So these could be things that go way back to our youth to things going on right now within our lives. So as we talk about our favorite ministry memories, something that I think as an objective that we want to bring that falls under the raking coals umbrella is to have us look at the things within our lives that, um, that just build us up. And I think we should be looking to ministry as something where we do create positive memories in, and ministry should be something we look back on and we cherish the time we do it rather than dread our our time doing it. So Josh, share with me one of your favorite ministry memories and why it's one of your favorites.
1: Can I share two? If yeah. They, if, they're, if they uh, are similar. Yeah. Okay, so I'm going to steal a little bit of your thunder, and I know this, though. Um so one of my favorite memories from when I was in youth youth group was the Bible study that we had at your house. And um, that kind of goes along with a Bible study, not really a Bible study. It was more like a gathering of people to come like listen like learn a little bit about the Bible, worship, and then hang out um, that and those we called them crew nights. Uh, and that took place in college. And the reason why I, I kind of pair these two together is they're two examples of um, times when I've been able to really connect with people my own age and uh, just grow towards Christ to, like with them. And it really wasn't, there was, in either case, there wasn't a leader per se, but it was just a bunch of us. All all of us being around the same age, coming together, and just with the same goal of becoming closer together, closer to God, and worshiping together. And those, I mean, the Bible study in high school, we could t- be, have an entire podcast on just the crazy stories of this, the fun things that we used to do in relation to that Bible study but those conversations got really in depth like really really deep and um, and we were just high school kids we didn't have an adult with us and we just we, we wanted to learn more about God together and and with the crew nights that this, this group from college and I used to do, um, it was the primary purpose the primary purpose of it was to worship together and oh my goodness those were those have to be the most impactful and mem- memorable times of just worship that I've experienced in my life where you just get 15 college students all in our 20s and a couple guitars and we we'd sing songs everywhere I mean we're talking someone's house to, uh, there's a park, we live off of Lake Erie, and there's a park that has these solstice steps where they're just big concrete steps that you can literally lay out on, and the way that they designed it was it always faces where the sun sets, and just out there in the park, singing songs, praying together, praying with people that would come up to us um, until the sunset, and then going back to someone's house and having s'mores and coffee and goofing off. And those, those are two of my favorite experiences where like, I, was, I wasn't I was leading something.
0: Yeah, and I think one thing that uh, is, is probably true of both the Bible study that we had in high school and I'm sure the Bible study that you had called The Crew was when we started doing the Bible study at my house, I was a junior in high school. What it became is not even what I foresaw it becoming when it first started. I had very, very low expectations as a, as a high schooler starting a Bible study in your house. I just thought it would be a, a good thing. And then it ended up becoming something where there was a lot of memories, you know? So I mm-hmm. think those low expectations going in and then just seeing what God transformed it into was what made it something special for me. What What do you think about that?
1: I agree, um, but it wasn't really the expectations. It was more the, the g- how, do you, how do you say it? It was genuine. Like, nobody came in with an agenda. Nobody came in with, like, a plan. It was, hey, we're going to read this passage of Scripture because we want to learn it, and we want to learn it together, and I really want to listen, and I genuinely want to hear how you how your perspective is compared to my perspective what what do you learn from it what have you studied in 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 this passage that i might have missed and that was that was one of the things that i think made it what it was was we just wanted to learn and we wanted to be together and do it together and there was no grand plan there was no strategy there was no this is our goal it was no let's just come let's read if the conversation takes 20 minutes it takes 20 minutes if it takes 2 hours it takes 2 hours we're just going to go until we're done with where we want it like we're we're going to go until we know this is where we're supposed to stop
0: yeah i i can definitely Uh, concur with with the genuine nature of that bible study and the lack of agendas and just it became it became god's community it really did and if there isn't anything that you have to add to that i'll jump into one of mine
1: um i think the one other thing too was it because in in both cases for me like everybody was my peers it really did build a community like these were the people that we went to church with, but some of us went to school together, some of us did sports together, some of us worked together. And it was just, that was our group of people in high school and for me in college, where we were like, we did everything together. And it was, it it just built those relationships even
0: stronger in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And then one of mine that comes to my mind, and this kind of goes in with what I think one of my love languages is, those of you who aren't familiar with the five love languages of Gary Chapman, uh, it's definitely a book worth reading, it's a book worth being familiar with, and one of those love languages is words of affirmation. Something that just goes a long way with me personally is uh, appreciation and thanks. For some reason, I'm just, uh, I'm a sucker for it, right? If you mm-hmm. if you tell me I, I did good on something or you thanked me for something, that is something that I, I'll remember that. And two things that I thought this was done in a really well uh, thought out way, in a really loving way. I remember one time when I was, I had finished my sophomore year in college and I had come back and done a internship at at pathway the the church i am currently youth pastor of i'd done an internship there and all the the helpers leaders students got together and we had just taken a picture together as a group and i didn't think anything of it when we took the group picture but Later on, I got that picture, and it was signed by all the students. I kept it with me in my college dorm. My wife and I had it hanging in our first apartment. It was one of those things where it was really cool because I got to look at every student in the group and see their thanks and their appreciation. And also with us kind of having a smaller group and seeing that by the end of the summer, it had just kind of exploded, and the group had become something that was really, really fun and and really unexpectedly big for what we were as a church. I think we were getting close to 30 students coming to our game nights and youth group. Uh, maybe, maybe that's counting leaders and, and everything, but it was pretty close, um, which was good for us. And then another time that I remember just being totally surprised by what people in the church did for us. This was when my wife and I first went to Uh, Red Bank, New Jersey, and started our ministry out there where I was a family life director. There was something they did for us that I'd never heard of before, and this probably comes out of it being more of a traditional church, being a Baptist church, an American Baptist church. When we got there, the pastor told me that, okay, guys, we're glad you're here. Be ready Saturday night. We moved in on a Friday, and he said, be ready Saturday night. We're going to have a pounding for you. I had no idea what that was. I had never heard of a pounding before. I had never been part of a pounding, and he didn't really explain it to me, and he did make sure to say, I think you guys are really going to enjoy it, and I was like, okay, well, I expect to enjoy this, and I expect it to be a fun time, but man, we got there, and people had brought us gifts. People had brought us gift cards. We had enough to do all of our grocery shopping to stock our house with groceries. People had gone out and done grocery shopping for us, gotten us all the things, the essentials, all those things that you don't really like buying the first time you move somewhere. And everyone who was part of the church, all the active members were there welcoming us, talking to us, and really just kind of being there for us, showing their support. And that was something that being a young guy right out of college, right into my first full-time ministry uh, experience, having that type of love and welcome from a church, especially when most of the people there were probably much, much older than me. I would say most people there, most people who were actively part of that church were into their 40s or older. and So that was really cool. It was really welcoming to kind of experience that love and just know that, hey, you're here you're part of our family now and that was really that was really cool i'll never forget that i'll never forget that it was called a pounding i will remember pretty much all of the things that we were given because it was all stuff that we knew we had to buy and we just really enjoyed that and i remember that clearly just being highly affirmed and highly loved and that's something where i'll just kind of say in regards to being a ministry focused podcast that could very well be you as a listener, you listening to this podcast, your gift in ministry could be that of being just highly supportive of those who are in your pastoral leadership roles in your church. And that goes a long way. Showing that love, showing that appreciation for your pastor, it goes a long way, and trust me, it will be remembered and thanked.
1: That's cool. That's really cool. Uh, I... It's it's awesome when you ha- you find yourself in a community of believers that they they want to they just want to love on you and that's something that like when you find that you just want to stay there's there's no I don't I don't want to leave this group and you just stay there until God moves you somewhere else mm-hmm. um, yeah I'll share I'll share I got a list so I got four more um, and we can condense that if we need to but. Um, kind of going along with the crew night thing, uh, something that came out of that and, um, has been a memory for me is a couple of the guys, two of the, two of the people who were going to, who ended up being pastors at the, at City View, the church that I go to, um, they had come up with an idea and they said, let's, let's find a park on a map in inner city Cleveland and let's just go play basketball. doesn't matter who it is. We'll go play basketball with them. And they, they talked to the group about it. And they said, there's no one was forced to go. If you wanted to partake, you can partake. Just, we're going to go. We're going to go build relationships with people. And um, those that happened two summers ago, two, three summers ago. And, oh, my goodness, that was so much fun. Because we, we found a park. It's called Herman. Herman Park in Cleveland. Just went and... It was funny, because the first two weeks, everybody was very much like, who are these white people? Because it's a very it's a predominantly African-American, Hispanic community, and um, the two guys that came up with I- this idea came from f- like pretty much farm country, Ohio. Um, and we just went, and we played basketball, and we met a ton of teenagers and a ton of adults, and started really talking with people, and... It's crazy because you fast forward, and we can talk about this on another episode, but you fast forward three months and we had kids who were asking us, kids and teenagers who were asking us to come to church with us on Sunday. And it got to the point where we as a church decided to bring church to them and started something that we call Shoreway because the neighborhood is the Detroit Shoreway neighborhood. Um, But since then, I mean... We average. They average. City View averages twenty to thirty kids a week coming, listening to a Bible to a Bible lesson, worshiping together as a group, and then discipleship throughout the week. And one. And the reason I bring that up is just number one, it was a fun time. It was a lot of fun. Um, it, it's crazy to when you when you are born and raised. Primarily in a suburban area or in an area that was like a middle class, to go into a lower income area and to just talk with people and hear the stories about what's going on in their lives, um, that was that was very eye opening, and it blew a lot of stereotypes that I believe the suburbs instill in a lot of people about the urban areas of this country. And um, it's just crazy because I can name kids and just tell you where they were, where they were headed and where they are now. And it's one of those things where it's like, it you don't have to go and start like preaching. It's just go and get to know people and show them what you're about. And they're going to want to follow. And it's... To me, that memory in that summer was probably one of the purest examples I will ever have of evangelism and and sharing without shoving, if you want to put it that way.
0: Yeah, I think to kind of go along with that, and Josh, I think you can attest to this. I was part of, not was part, I am part of a Facebook group where it's a bunch of uh pastors and staff members, mostly Moody alumni, mostly people who were my friends while I was there. And something that came up was a guy's preaching about evangelism, any suggestions from the group on things I should hit. And something that many of us said with our experiences in evangelism was that effective evangelism happens with building a foundation of relationships and, and trust, building that relationship and having a foundation of trust there before you're taking the person by the hand down a repentance way, for lack of a better term. And, and I think that, you know, the big Billy Graham crusade type of evangelism was effective, but also I think people went there kind of expecting to hear something of that nature, Sometimes if we try to do the elevator pitch evangelism, it's like you catch people off guard, and it's like, "Whoa, yeah, what are you doing, pal?" Like that yeah. might work for some people, but very rarely have I heard of that being a positive experience. But what do you think, Josh? That effective evangelism is is definitely built upon a relationship first.
1: Almost oh, definitely, I I mean, my mind always goes to the apostles, and like Paul would just enter into a city get to know people, start talking. But it was, he got to know people first. And um, something that, like, we, like, that, that summer and the evangelism we did during that summer, really, something that hit home for me was you didn't need to give them the gospel right away. It was more people people looked at us and asked us and they're like you guys come from the suburbs what are you guys doing here why are you playing basketball with us why are you bringing gatorade or buying a couple pizzas why and it's really just like dude you're important right?" and and you i mean as the conversation goes on you can expand on that and we we would have parents who are like who are you people and we're like, well, we're just people who we go to this church, and we were talking, and we just we wanted to come and get to know you guys, and and that went a long way, and um and just like just being there and being available was important, and I know a lot of people they because like what, the way I was taught how to evangelize was Romans Road. You find someone who's not a Christian. You do small talk for a little bit, and then you hit them with Romans Road, and they should become a Christian by the end of it. And it, it, it's, it's so easy for us as a society to think like, and as a church community to think like, there's a formula for this. This is how it works, and it's not that simple. And the underlying truth behind it is, you got to go where the people are you got to just show that you're there for them. And then you show your love for your brothers and sisters in Christ, and they will see that, and they will want that. Because the world is very, very dark, and people don't look out for each other like Christians should.
0: Yeah, and kind of hitting on the Romans Road as well. I think that the Romans Road is one of those uh, evangelistic tactics that it hits everything you need to hit right Right. like you don't you don't miss anything following the roman's road you hit the sin nature you you hit the need for repentance you hit what you are as a sinner you hit um that salvation is by is through faith by grace you hit all that stuff and i think that that's good and it's good to be able to know that it's good to be able to know those references but when we really think about it Romans road goes through a huge part of Romans and to actually get there in real-time reading takes some time You got to process a lot of information and that's another thing about evangelism when we think about speed evangelism is Man like to get the gospel in Romans you gotta you gotta read that baby from beginning to end and chew on a lot And yeah,
1: but at the same time you can get the gospel in Romans in just chapter 3 yeah, you can get it in chapter ten. I mean, there's a you can get it in chapter five. There's so many references to the gospel, and, I, and personally, for me, the thing I don't like about Romans Road is it pulls verses out of context, and I think the context actually gives those gives the verses more weight.
0: It does. It does. And. In- And that's another discussion we should have sometime on the podcast is the, I guess, the negative impact of anecdotal memory verses. Because verses, yes, they can be anecdotal, but sometimes we treat certain verses as anecdotal and helpful, totally out of context. And not that God is sitting up there taking away our salvation because of that. I don't think that's a worry for anybody. But I do think that sometimes we miss out on greater context. I think of things like Philippians 4:13, the always <laughs> the always out of context. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Um, but yeah, I, I do see where you're coming from. I don't have a problem with Roman's road, uh, even though it kind of pulls things out of context. I still think you have the main overarching, thought process behind Romans in there, and the gospel is in there, and it at least points people to a lot of different references, but I do think effective evangelism is definitely built upon relationships. It's pretty rare that if there's an altar call in church that the person who accepts Christ in that altar call is there their first Sunday and they've never been there before. You know? (laughs) it can happen it does happen but i think most times it's people who've been going for a while who have built relationships with people in the church who've had the opportunity to see what christianity is all about through genuine people in the church and then they decide that this is this is real this is true these people are different this gospel is real this jesus is real and i think that's where you know relationships yeah. really matter yeah
1: because and the, the other thing too is you can't drag someone to the cross because they're not going to want to go. If you, I mean, one thing that I've experienced when it comes to just the way that, as you mentioned, speed evangelism kind of is, is like you're, you're, you're bombarding this person with information that they haven't thought about. And a lot of times, like we associate people like that with telemarketers and we get very defensive. Is there any, what are you trying to sell me right now? And um, and we can we should probably talk about this in another episode. But but it it's the Holy Spirit's prompting and it's their decision ultimately. And we we as a church, I think, fall short on just the whole living a life in which people recognize what Christ says they will recognize us for, and that's the love that we have for one another. That's how people will know we are his disciples. And um, he's very clear about that. First John is very clear about that. We're going through that in youth group with our kids. And uh, I like talking about church unity, I, we have a tendency of very much competing against each other and kind of almost and being very judgmental towards churches of other denominations or even just local churches around us. And people look at that and say, why would I be part of that?
0: Yeah, yeah. And kind of moving on from the uh, evangelism talk here, I'm going to jump into one of my favorite ministry memories. And this isn't necessarily just one memory. I guess I kind of keep cheating on these. But just what I will kind of, qualify this as, is connecting with people who have moved away from a ministry that they were once a part of with you. And I think about students who went to college, who made choices, and you connect with them later on in life, and they were one of your students in student ministry, right? And you just find out that they're doing really great. And you find out that God has really been working in their lives. And for me, that's really exciting because you spend so much time ministering to people and pouring into their lives and praying for them. And then to be able to see where they're at and when it's a good place, it's really exciting. It's, re- it's where you really see that, hey, this stuff sometimes takes time to happen. Sometimes these effects take a little bit of time to go to, to go through. And then another thing that kind of was really fun for me was uh, about a, a little over a year ago, year and a half ago, one of the girls who was in our Bible study with us got married. I got an opportunity to do her wedding and doing the premarital counseling with her and her husband and kind of seeing where she was at in life and seeing how they wanted to plan their life together under Christ and raise a family together. That's really fun. And that's where you see that all we can do as ministers is serve faithfully and the rest is in god's hands because god does so much stuff in individuals lives that we have nothing to do with and that is worth getting excited over when you see the people who are part of a ministry whether it's someone who serves alongside you or someone who is um someone you're directly ministering to and you just see them later on in life and they're doing so well that's extremely encouraging now, when you meet people later on in life and they're not doing as well, that means we need to keep praying for them. And if they connect with us and they reach out to us, you got to be there just the same. I've had those situations pop up as well. And, and those have been opportunities to really reinforce the love of Christ. And And so that's one of my favorite things. It's not necessarily one specific min, uh, memory, but I have so many and so many students I've had graduate and so many friends I've had who are doing really well. It's just really exciting to be able to connect and have those conversations and just be, you know, praise God for what he does in individuals.
1: And it's important, too, to remember that you don't know the impact that you have on someone's life when you're in the middle of ministry. Um, Cody and I have a shared student that um, he, was, he was a handful as a teenager, and... I got the opportunity to reconnect with him recently. And like if the issues that he dealt with in high school and like when he should have been in his freshman year of college, it was, he was telling me that he, he didn't believe us when we were telling him, when we were teaching him in youth group and he found out the hard way that we were right. Or at least the bible was right and that there were consequences to what he was doing and he really got his life together and it like for me i was just like i'd been praying for this kid for years and then the just i was at a grocery store not in the town that we both live in and i just had a child well not a child now a young man jump on my back screaming my name <laughs> and and it's just one of those things where you're just like dude what's going on and he just talking and catching up and just being able to say like see now what are you doing and it like those are those are great times too and like you said the the ones that kind of fell off the wagon so to say so i mean it it just means more prayer Mm -hmm. that's really what it is
0: yeah yeah
1: um kind of going along with that though uh another memory that i have uh kind of goes along with just the students that we've dealt with and it was the last youth Sunday that we at Pathway did right before you came back from Red Bank or no you were back from Red Bank you still hadn't come back and taken over youth ministry
0: Nah, yeah I I hadn't I hadn't been back yet it was like the week before I came back okay
1: yeah and um and I just remember we had like so the the leaders of the church asked asked me if there was a way that the youth could run service for a Sunday and like i talked to the kids about it and they're like well maybe like i don't know if we can do that like they were really unsure about it and it was just it was funny it only we we talked about it for like 2 weeks we planned it out and it went really well and we had the youth leading worship. We had the youth running the cat. Like we have a little cafe with bagels and coffee. They were running that. They were doing the greeting. We had a, we had a, at the time he was a junior in high school preaching. Um, We had the kids around the church for prayer time and offering. And, um, and, and for me as a ministry leader at the time, I, it was just, I was, I was very excited because The things that we had been teaching and the things that we had been like encouraging to get into and they were experiencing slowly they brought all of those experiences and all that all that stuff that they had learned and they they were able to use it and they they did church (laughs) and it like for me to I, I just remember um the the kid who the kid who preached that Sunday was so nervous and I had been dis- discipling him for two years and said, you got this. And we went up to the church at like eight o'clock at night with his dad. And we just like we, we went through a sermon two, three times each night for two nights. And um, Sunday morning came and I just remember afterwards he he came up to me with this huge grin on his face afterwards going, I didn't even need my notes. <laughs> and it like to me like there was a lot of pride in that but also it's, it's it it was just one example of this like them being able to use the tools that we had given them if that makes any sense
0: yeah yeah and that's something that i think when you begin to see the people you've discipled begin to slowly become a leader and not even not even slowly become a leader but come to become come to the realization that they are a leader right they kind of always have been and they've always had the qualities and the traits and then they tap in to to their um, their ministry desires and they just take it naturally and run with it, it is really exciting to see and I can definitely, Say that that group of students too was a pretty special group uh, that you had there.
1: Yeah,
0: I guess going on for for one of mine, this will be the last one I mention because uh, we're we're about ten minutes away from our breaking point here. But one of mine that I will say, and and this is because of uh, what I think is really important in this world that this comes on to my favorite memories is the amount of connections and excitement that I made with other youth pastors Um, at a, at a point in my time in, in New Jersey where we had all loved a group of students and a community and a bunch of us came together and were praying for each other. We planned Uh, an event together, which turned out to be really fun and really good. But I think part of what I thought was the biggest success of this whole thing was the, the unification of youth pastors, family directors, whatever their titles were, coming together and saying, this community needs all of us. This community of teens, junior high and high school needs all of us. And... We can do a lot when we come together. And so we, we would sometimes meet all as a big group, sometimes branch out and just go to coffee together. And one of the central things about those meetups and those hangouts and those discussions was praying for our students. Praying for our churches Praying for our families I knew that at the end of the day I had about five other youth pastor friends Who were praying for my family every day And I was praying for their family every day Because ministry Especially full time Can be really tough on your family life And I think that that is just a small glimpse Of what I think churches should be striving after As a whole Not just youth pastors, not just pastors, but people in the church all around our our nation, all around our world, seeking to make connections with other people at other churches. And maybe we worship in different locales, but we still support one another. We still pray for each other. We still discuss ministry with one another. We still are there for each other. And we look at ways in which we can unify and come together together and reach out and minister to our communities. And I think that's something that it's one of my favorite memories because that's what gave me the passion to do what we're doing now, what Josh and I are seeking to do now, how we're getting on these microphones and talking to people who we don't even see face-to-face. We don't even know who is listening or if anyone's listening, but we trust that God will use this podcast in such a way to challenge people to say, our community is a whole lot bigger than our individual church, but there's a whole lot of churches in our community, and maybe we can work together. Maybe we can pray together. Maybe we can serve together. Maybe we can reach out together. Maybe we can struggle together in order to be able to, to advance God's kingdom, share the gospel, and serve the people of this world who God loves as best as we possibly can. So that's why it's one of my favorite memories is because that's kind of where this passion was ignited, was in those groups with those guys. And that's my last one. <laughs>
1: that's really cool. You've, you've talked about that, and that just sounds like a really good group of guys that you had out there. Yeah. I'm going to share one last story. And um I was I was in Washington DC and I had just met these two people at a church. Had no idea who they were. We had a we were at a conference and we had a 3-hour break. So we decided let's go to Cold Stone and eat ice cream and just talk. And we I'll never forget it. We are we're sitting out on the patio. And I can tell you what ice cream I was I was eating, and this guy overheard our conversation we were just talking about just the churches that we go to um, all of us went to different churches we all grew up in different parts of the country uh, and we had literally just met maybe an hour and a half before this conversation happened and this guy was riding his bike and he stopped and he came and he walked over and he started asking us questions and to, to be put on the spot was kind of nerve wracking because like I mean, it's just a random guy who starts talking to you. And he, he knew his Bible. He knew his Bible really, really well. Not a Christian, but knew the Bible. And, and it was just, we sat there with him for an hour, just talking about, talking through questions he had. And I just remember it was one of those just really cool moments where here are three people me and the two of them and we're like because we're unified under the same christ and we all know the at least the basics basic tenets of the faith we're able to answer most of his questions really really well and we i just remember at the end he asked for us to pray for him and we we kind of all left that conversation looking at each other like this is what he's talking about when he when it comes to we're one family, we all are under one headship, and we all, if we're doing it right, should understand the Bible the same way. And yeah, there's slight interpretations, but the basic tenets and the gospel, they're it's pretty straightforward. And um, I don't know. I just I think, I think it's important for us to remember that. Even though we go to different churches, even though we might live in different parts of a a region or a country or like a nation, I mean, or a hemisphere, like we all are following the same person. And that person is Christ. And we all have that same Holy Spirit that's in us. And we can do some really awesome things when we're together.
0: That's where I'm going to leave it. Amen. And la- last note here, as you were talking there, I think about this. I'm not going to get political. I'm going to get, I'm going to bring up politics, but I'm not going to get political. We live in a country where when I wake up in the morning, I feel like every day our country becomes a little more divided. And I think as a church, We can jump into the pool of political division if we want to. Or we can just say, that's not my road. I'm going to go down the road of unifying with my brothers and sisters in Christ all around this country. And as a church, maybe while we live in a time that is becoming more and more politically divided we can show the beauty of unity and love under the person of Jesus Christ. And I think sometimes when culture is in a bad place, that's an opportunity for God to really show that his ways are different. So I don't know what you think about that, Josh, but I was just thinking about that as you were talking.
1: Yeah, I I mean... it. We live in a world that's full of hate and a lot of people questioning what's right and wrong and what's moral and immoral. And the reality is is that the church is probably at the, probably positioned right now to be the most effective it's been in a while because we know what's true. And we, we often gets sucked into the whole culture of politics because it's something that's easy to pick a side. Um, but the reality is, is that God is so much higher than politics. And, and what we... He, he's above all of it. And if we're striving to follow Him... It really it puts everything into perspective. And instead of yelling at each other across the aisle, I mean, it's very much, dude, we're one family. And we shouldn't be screaming around the dinner table, essentially. <laughs> <laughs> there are things we can agree with and there's things that we can't, and that's fine. But we should be striving to do what pleases God and glorifies him even more so and uh, yeah it's what's the chinese proverb may you live in interesting times
0: i've never heard that one but i will take your word for it (laughs) so guys thank you so much for tuning in hopefully you guys enjoyed our favorite ministry memories and i can say from my perspective and probably from josh's we didn't hit all of them But we hit as many as we thought were appropriate to in our time limit here. So I want to thank you all for listening to Episode 5 of Raking Coals. Also just want to say here at the end, if you want to check out anything else that we do, our blog, the After Sunday Discussion, we have all that up at e43collective.com we are the e43 collective and you can find us at e43collective.com thank you so much for tuning in to episode five of raking coals we hope that you all have a blessed week and a very good day